Welcome to another episode of the Hourglass Investing Podcast, a series on investing topics and company analysis. I'm your host, Jared Leary, and today we're going to be covering an age-old debate between investors, dividends or growth. Which is best for you and which one has a place in your investing strategy? Hey guys, back at you this week with an investing topic. So we covered Unity Software and their crappy management decisions last week. Uh, and if you haven't given that last episode a listen, highly recommend that. You get to listen to me rip Unity's management a new one. Uh, but since we covered a specific business last week, we're back to an investing topic for this week. And I thought I'd hit a classic debate between investors on very different investing styles. Dividends versus growth. Before I start, I'd just like to say right from the top, please keep an open mind during this episode. I know there are a lot of very passionate investors for both approaches, and I'll say now that I do lean more towards a growth strategy for reasons that I'll get into throughout the episode, but please just keep an open mind. Uh, I'll be providing links to my main source for this episode, which I actually read a few years ago uh, and then had to do some scouring to find it again. I'll throw the link for that in the show notes. So before you send any hate mail, please check it out. If you're unconvinced, you can look at the numbers yourself. With that, let's get into it. This topic does hit a little closer to home for me because I'm a Canadian. And I was born here in the Great White North. And boy, oh, there are a lot of dividend lovers up here. Uh, I, don't, I don't know whether it's something about long and miserable winters that makes Canadians love those quarterly deposits into their investment accounts, or whether it's because our entire economy is banks and natural resources, which historically, you know, two pretty handsome dividend-paying industries. Whatever it is, cold weather or the economy, I've never met such a gung-ho group of dividend fanatics. And please, please, dividend investors, please don't take this as a rip. Dividend investing totally has a time and a place where it makes a brilliant strategy. But when everyone and their mother is extolling on the greatness of dividends to a new investor, it does sometimes result in, I feel anyways, in people having a bit of a skewed strategy for where they are at in their investment career. So I thought I'd share my thoughts today on where I think dividend investing does have a place and when investors are actually limiting their overall returns by focusing exclusively on that dividend approach and not incorporating some growth into their investment strategies. So let's get into dividends first, and then I'll talk a bit about growth investing, which is, you know, a little bit more in my area of expertise, like I said. So dividends, like why dividends, right? I think that's probably the most fundamental place to start here is just why do people like dividends? What's good about a dividend approach? I'd say the core answer to that is just stability, right? Every three months, you get a nice little chunk of extra change in your pocket that you did not have before, which you can either pull out and use for expenses or reinvest back into the markets for even larger future dividends. Plus, on top of that, the businesses that you're investing in for strong dividend yields are almost always more mature and stable businesses that are well past their more volatile growth phases. You know, they're they're earning pretty reliable streams of income, they have strong balance sheets, they earn lots of cash, etc., etc. Plus, the shares of these businesses are less likely than growth stocks to have those 20-30% swings from one bad earnings report. 
So you know what you're getting out of these sort of businesses. And for people who maybe need the income, you know, primarily people who are very near or in retirement, that's crucial, right? If your investment portfolio is sort of serving as your pension of sorts and, and you're reliant on that decently stable cash flow coming from your investment portfolio, you can't be risking 20 to 30% drops or you, you might not be eating that week, right? So that stability is crucial. Uh, and that regular dividend income is part of your budget. So that's crucial too. For these situations, specifically, dividends are great. Like This is exactly what a dividend approach is meant for. These are some amazing reasons to go with dividend investing if you're at or coming closer to retirement. But that kind of hits the limit where I think dividend investing is appropriate. And I start to push back against the wisdom of a dividend approach if you're like 20 to 30 range and just getting started with your investing journey. Like if you have 20 to 30 years of investing ahead of you before you're even thinking about retirement, I don't think you should really be touching businesses that are primarily focused on dividend payouts. And there's a few reasons I have for this. Firstly, if you're earning, uh, whatever, let's just, let's just random number here, 60,000 a year, random number. Unless you're spending all of that 60,000, which <laughs> you shouldn't be, by the way, uh, then you really don't need the extra income from dividend investing. And yes, I know what you're thinking. Oh, well, I'll just reinvest it back into the markets. But I'll push back on that as well with some fairly simple math. And I'll just pick on Coca-Cola for a few minutes for this. Okay, so Coca-Cola pays roughly a 3% dividend yield. This means one of two things. Either they have better things to be doing with that money that could generate more than 3% returns, but are still returning it to shareholders anyways, in which case they're actually, you know, impacting their future profit potential. Remember, dividends are not free money. This is actually the company's cash that's getting sent to shareholders, which ultimately reduces their net value and the total assets that they have to reinvest back in their business. Now, the second thing that this 3% dividend yield could mean is that they have nothing better to do with a huge portion of their cash than pay you out. Uh, they're not going to earn more than 3% reinvesting that back into the business, or they wouldn't be giving it to you. Now, if you pick the right growth stock, they should be able to take that cash flow and reinvest that back into the business at far greater returns than 3%. Think Constellation Software and Mark Leonard, one of the greatest capital allocators of all time. You think Mark Leonard can't do anything better than a 3% return? He absolutely can. That's, that's what their whole business has been built off. Now, I know that is a bit ironic, actually, because Constellation Software actually does pay like a super tiny dividend. And genuinely, I don't know why uh, for this exact same reason, like he can get better returns for shareholders just not paying them out. Uh, but that's not really the point of this episode. So let's keep moving here. So the fact that the company doesn't have anything that they can reinvest a portion of their cash flows into that will earn a greater than 3% yield also kind of segues into my next anti-dividend point. Firstly, okay. With that 3% dividend plus the roughly uh, 4% CAGR over the last five years for Coca-Cola, that is a total return for about 7%, which is honestly not that fantastic. Like You can get better returns just throwing your money into a broad-based market ETF like the S&P 500. Again, very decent if you need stable cash flows, strong yield and retirement, but not very decent at all if you're 25, you don't need the money, and you'd be better off parking your money into a stock that's not paying a dividend, but appreciating your capital at like 11 to 12% over the next 10 to 15 years. 
right? If you've chosen a good business to park your money into at least. And apart from the share price, because they're not reducing their total asset value every year by paying those dividends, the value of the actual business is appreciating more than the value of a dividend-paying business would be, right? They're not paying that out. That net asset value of the business is higher. So good times all around for anyone that parks their money into growth stocks instead of stocks that are focused on high yields. So long, like caveat here, so long as they have 10 to 15 years before they need that stability of dividend investing. I'll wrap up these last points on chasing a dividend investing approach a bit quicker because that took a while. Uh, first, dividends can ding you pretty hard in the tax department. First, the company and therefore shareholders, you remember like when you are a shareholder, you own a portion of that business. So your business gets taxed on that net income and then they pay it out to shareholders. Once that cash is distributed to shareholders, then that's taxable as individual income. There are some ways to structure this, uh, you know, account-wise to avoid some of those taxes on dividends, but there's still limits on the size of those tax-free accounts. So in the end, you'll probably get dinged either way once you move to a personal investment account. So you're getting taxed twice, first as a company shareholder and second as an individual earning income. Double taxes, not fun. Lord knows that I am pissed enough already when I see the gross versus net on my paychecks. I don't need to get double taxed for my investing too. It just sounds like the opposite of fun. Second, if you're exclusively chasing yields, you can often end up in dividend traps. These are like those carnivorous plants. They suck you in with a nice, juicy-looking yield, like say 5 to 6%. But once you try and catch that yield, you discover that you just got sucked into a plant that is slowly eating your money, your capital is depreciating, and that yield that used to look so attractive isn't doing nearly enough to make up for your losses. And that all comes down to the fact that the stock's yield was high because the underlying business was failing, which drives the total yield percentage up, even though the actual dividend payout per share remains the same. It may even end up getting cut, actually, as the company goes into you know, what could ultimately be a death spiral. And this is the real danger with dividend stocks, because you can end up investing in super mature companies that are actually in the decline or dying phases. But Ultimately, this all does come down to just understanding the business that you're investing in super thoroughly, not exclusively chasing a yield and, and making an investment decision based on like, oh, well, they're 6% payout, done, easy. I don't have to know the business. Uh, and that's true regardless of your investing strategy. Like, you know, if you're a growth investor, you can't just dump your money into a stock that's growing at 100% revenues per year and just, you know, think that you're going to succeed without knowing the business. Uh, so this is less of a detractor to dividend investing and more just something to be cognizant of if you are doing a dividend approach. Okay, last, not least though, uh, you need a lot of money to really make dividend investing proper worth it, right? Like a 1% to 3% yield on less than 100k is not really making much of a difference at all. A 1% to 3% yield on a $1 million portfolio will be anywhere from 10 to 30,000 a year, which, you know, isn't bad, but may not be as much as you need to live off in retirement. It's a pretty simple calculation here, right? Let's say you need more, say 50,000 a year to survive, and you can manage a 3% yield portfolio, then you would need a roughly $1.65 million portfolio. 
So you, you need a lot of money to make this feasible to live off. And if you're a young investor with less than that required amount, then why not park your money into a higher growth vehicle that will let you get closer to that required amount before you actually need it to live off of? That's just my two cents, but I feel like that makes some sense. You know, it's just ultimately not contributing very much to your portfolio if you have not a super huge account, which is normal as a young investor. All right, quick pause in the episode here, folks, to rep some of the other parts of Hourglass investing. If you're enjoying today's episode and you're keen on getting in on some more of the action, I've got good news for you. On top of weekly podcast episodes into specific companies, investing topics, we also produce weekly newsletters that cover uh, weekly watch list stock, investor features, and the news. And we also do bi-weekly research articles into some of the investment opportunities that we're looking at or that are already in our portfolio. So if any of that sounds good to you, head on over to our website at hourglassnetwork.ca or you can subscribe to us on Substack at Hourglass Investing. I'll drop the links to both of those in the show notes for today's episode. Okay, so that's dividends in a succinct and highly technical summary. Good if you're old, not good if you're not old. Uh, now let's talk about growth, which is good if you're not old and not good if you are old. Uh, before I really dive in, though, I'll just comment on the many charts you will find online if you look up dividend versus growth investing, where pretty much every single one of these charts to a T will tell you that high yield stocks are almost always the best performing over the long term. And these are kind of BS because these don't include after-tax effects, impacts of which, as I briefly got into a few minutes ago, can add up pretty quick with that double tax effect on shareholders. So that's the explanation on that slight incongruity, uh, but now let's get into growth. As I briefly got into, if you're a younger investor with a long investment runway ahead of you, there's not a ton of reason to park your capital into a mature company that pays a strong dividend when you can find a good, young company that will do a better job reallocating capital than you will, almost guaranteed, unless you're the next Warren Buffett or something, right? And ultimately generate you better returns especially if the portfolio that you're getting those dividend returns on is pretty small. The yield you're getting out of those companies is so tiny, it's hard to reinvest it back into the market without, you know, buying a fractional share at like 0.000001 the size of an actual share. Um, I mean, not that this makes a relative difference, right? But the yield deposits you're getting in your, but the yield deposits that you're getting into your account every few months just really aren't that significant. Now, also think about the fact that if you want to be dividend investing when you're older, putting your money now into a growing company as a younger investor may lead to having a strong dividend paying stock in like 10 to 20 years when they've reached a more mature phase. So then you're benefiting from both the larger capital appreciation and you're cashing out on the benefits of the stable returns and dividend yield right around the time that you'd be nearing retirement, right? So Apple is probably the perfect example of that with a nice, decent little dividend yield after many, many years of stellar growth. It's not a big yield, 0.5% uh, right now, but you know, it's the dividend per share is actually growing and their three-year CAGR on the dividend is around 6%. So, you know, some nice little growth in the dividend in there. And um, given that this is Apple we're talking about, that's probably not going to stop anytime soon. So that is the perfect example of like, 
great. Get on that growth company early on. When you're nearing retirement, boom, now you're getting a nice growing dividend out of that. Then there's also just straight historical fact. Okay, 2000 to 2020. What were the best performing companies? Monster Beverages, Netflix, Deckers, Old Dominion Freightline, and Axon Enterprises. Old Dominion is the only one of those companies that pays a dividend, and it's just a 0.4% yield at a 12% payout ratio. So no one is chasing this as a dividend stock anyways, and the amount of money and the amount of their cash that they're paying out to shareholders is honestly a pretty low percentage of that total free cash flow amount. So looking at that, looking at all of those companies together, I get the sense that the top performers are clearly the companies that have lots of growth ahead of them, you know, the ability to continue reinvesting their cash flows into further expansion opportunities, and have better ways to spend their money than paying it out to me, who would probably reallocate that money at a lesser return anyways. But again, you know, not everyone should be doing this. Dividend investing is still totally the way to go if you're looking at or you're in retirement. Growth investing is 100% a young fella's game. And on top of that, definitely personal investing tolerances and comfort levels come into play. I am personally a big advocate for accepting lesser returns if it means you're going to be healthier in life. Like if, if you don't have the stomach for volatility or the time to be constantly monitoring a riskier stock, uh, then growth investing probably just isn't for you regardless of how old you are. Uh, your ability to sleep at night and not to be constantly stressing about your investments is worth a lot of money, in my opinion. And if that means accepting a few percent difference in your portfolio performance, I'm a fan of that. Go off. This comes down to just knowing what you want, what you need for yourself, and what your investment strategy is. I myself have a stomach for volatility. I enjoy spending time keeping up with stocks, and I have no need of the money that I invest anytime soon. So I'm comfortable going with the growth strategy over a dividend approach, knowing those things about myself, plus the facts that I've laid out to you in this episode about why growth investing is better over the long term. So which, which strategy has a place in your portfolio kind of comes down to your individual experiences, needs, comfort levels with investing, etc., etc. Kind of a classic non-answer answer for you. But it's not really my place to say which has a, a spot in your investing strategy. I can say mathematically that foregoing growth opportunities for dividends as a younger investor can mean giving up on potential returns. But this may be worth it for you if growth investing just isn't your shtick. If you're young and you're focused purely on maximizing your returns, though, then probably dividends ain't the way. Either way, do your own thing, baby. I'm just out here pointing out some of the math on the debate here so that people can make their own decisions. And on that, we'll wrap things up here. I think that was, you know, a fairly decent but very high-level overview of dividends versus growth. Uh, my main source, uh, there were a few, but the main one, especially for the effect of tax returns, came from Meb Faber Research, which is a great resource. If you want to take a look at some of their other stuff, I highly recommend that. Lots of great insights into the wider stock market and investing styles, strategies, etc. Uh, again, I'll throw that in the show notes for today's episode if you want to take a look at some of the numbers for yourself. On that, I'll be back at you next week with some good old company analysis. Haven't decided which company I'm doing yet, so uh, stay tuned. Happy investing, folks. 
All right, that's it for today, folks. If you enjoyed the episode, I would super appreciate a quick rating on the show. It takes about 30 seconds and it does a lot to help me out. Also, leave a comment on your preferred investing method, dividend or growth, and your personal take on the approach that you take. As always, you can find Hourglass Investing on our website, hourglassnetwork.ca, on Substack at Hourglass Investing, and on Twitter at Hourglass Network, and that's spelled without the O. Thanks again, everyone. See you next week. Quick disclaimer here, folks. I'm not a financial advisor, planner, analyst, or anything else to do with finance except a huge nerd. So don't take anything you hear or read from me as financial advice. Please do your own research and make your own investment decisions. Hourglass Investing, this show, and all our articles are for entertainment purposes only.